Praise God. Amen. Let's make the devils shudder. Amen. Children, you're dismissed to go to your classes at this time, and let's just continue to stay. There is a great spirit and anointing here this morning, and we thank God for it. Father, I give you praise. I want to take a few minutes this morning just to give praise to God and to share a testimony so that you can hear how God's doing some wonderful things throughout the world and in individual lives. And I'm going to ask our sister Theo Albrecht if she'll come. She was in Germany just a few months ago sharing the gospel and ministering there. And uh, uh, we always want to give folks who take that trip and go by faith to share what God's doing in their life and what they saw overseas. So, Sister Theo, please share with us your testimony. Good morning. That's German for um, thank you very much for your support, supporting me with prayer and finances. Uh, it really made a difference, I believe, from your prayers and as well as support. It was the importance, really, of um, making uh, a trip great rather than just okay. And I felt your prayers. I thought uh, of your prayers, uh, especially when I was on my own. And uh, I sometimes had needs, and I thought of the prayers back home, and the Lord answered marvelously. So I do really thank you very much. Um, I just want to give a little background. Uh, I was uh, part of... Um, a team of 25, and we ministered in uh, two locations, two charismatic churches. One of them in Berlin, uh, in the Berlin church, uh, they um, had a conference going on for uh, 550 um, pastors and church leaders. And uh, in Aspire, which was the other location, uh, they had a general conference going on, with uh, 700 people. And they were really alive. And I was surprised uh, how the Lord had already worked. And uh, we were able to minister by giving words of knowledge and also um, by praying for them when opportunities were given. And just about most of them took advantage whenever there was an opportunity for them to come forward and be prayed for. And that's where things really happened. So I want to give uh, uh, a few um, uh, highlights in which I personally was involved. Several individuals were healed of uh, pain issues. Um, one woman had uh, pain in the neck and the shoulder going down her arm. And I prayed for her several times because uh, every time she got a little bit better. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just took uh, over and he, uh, just uh, came down in power so that uh, she began to shake and uh, laugh uncontrollably. So when I asked her if all the pain was gone, she uh, tried to answer, but out came laughter. And so she was able to nod, yes, all the pain was gone. And I believe the Lord really did something on the inside of her. Um, that's why I think there was that laughter. There was uh, another example I want to give uh, with regard to the power of God in a different way. Uh, that was the case of a young lady who um, had been a new age. 
and she uh, was saved for less than a year. She told me that she had pressure between her eyes. And that used to be uh, what uh, New Age would call the energy point. So uh, I had her renounce her connection with uh, New Age, and uh, then I prayed for her. And after prayer, that was gone. That pressure was gone. And her anxieties were gone, too. So I believe the Lord really freed her from uh, the dark forces that tried to cling to her. In both churches, we had importation services. And in the one inspire, a woman told me that she wanted to get closer to the Lord. So I put my hand lightly on her shoulder and uh, just had her kind of soak in the presence of the Lord uh, as I prayed mostly in tongues. And then all of a sudden, she fell under the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I had a catcher at that point because we had been told if we didn't have a catcher not to let anyone fall. Then her husband came to me and uh, asked me to pray for him also. So I prayed in a similar manner. And I noticed after a while that he was struggling to stay on his feet. And we had been told uh, when we were prayed for as a team, uh, if we felt the Holy Spirit come upon us and felt like falling, not to resist that. So I told him that there was a catcher behind him and not to resist if he felt like falling. So after a little bit, he also fell. And I believe, you know, it's not just a matter of falling. I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit was working on them as they were soaking in the Holy Spirit on the floor. Uh, just one final example of what the Lord did in Germany. Um, I, asked, I felt led to ask a, a woman whether she was baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And uh, she responded with no. So uh, I uh, just told her it's easy and gave her instructions. And very quickly, even to my surprise, very quickly she uh, was talking in tongues, was baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I just thank the Lord that he put upon my heart to go to Germany and that he really did much more than I expected. So in conclusion, I'd like to uh, pray for us. You would stand, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you had work in our world. And I saw the Holy Spirit working in Brazil, in Germany, and I know you've been working also in our midst, but I believe you want to do much more. And I pray, Father, that uh, we will lay aside all distractions, just like what's mentioned earlier, this has been on my heart, all distractions, and that we will focus on you, that we will become single-minded, Focusing on you and your work. Help us to become passionate soul winners. Passionate uh, in helping people to receive healing and deliverance. And I thank you ahead of time, Father, for the continued work that you're going to do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Theo. Amen. We receive that prayer and we appreciate your ministry and that testimony. Did I dismiss the kids? Thank the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. We encourage you to uh, move in a faith walk as God's leading you. And it might be across the street. It might be in Germany. It might be around the world. And so I thank God for your courage and your boldness to take the gospel. Let's turn, if we can, to Ephesians chapter 6. We are in our last study 
on this great book of the church. And the title of this message today is Be Strong. That's how Paul is going to end his message about the glorious bride of Jesus Christ, the church. And he's making a declaration to this bride to be strong. Be strong. We're in a war. And so as he goes to uh, the beginning in chapter 1 and tells of God's predestined plan from the beginning of time of this glorious bride and this season uh, when all nations would come to Christ and He would make one new man from Jew and nations, Gentiles, so that they could become the bride of Christ, a spiritual man, and live on this earth and begin to display the glory of Christ in their own lives. He then concludes by saying, therefore, let us be strong. Be strong as we start in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, in conclusion, brothers and sisters, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So, first of all, I, I, I have to go back to that declaration, be strong. And that is a word that needs to be spoken to the church today. Get up and be strong. Amen? Uh, be the bride of Christ and act like a man. Something like that. Be strong. Get in position, right? And so that's what he's saying. Above all things, we've got work to do. But here's what he says. Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Because in and of ourselves, we can't do the warfare against a demonic realm in our strength or ability. It's the most foolish thing you can do. And the enemy can turn you on a dime. He can trick you so quick. When you're fighting the enemy and you're fighting the devil, all he has to do is push your flesh buttons, get you excited to get you angry, to get you upset, to get you to say things out of your flesh. And he's got you. You lost the battle. We've got to be strong in His might, in His Spirit, in His wisdom, in His revelation. So we lean not on our understanding, but on the Lord's. He'll make our path straight. So let us lean on the strength of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Be strong in the power of His might, he says. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now Peter says the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So there are schemes, the Greek word is schemata, and these are plans and concepts, strategies he's put together to take you down. Now you might think I'm not that important to take down. He's scheming against someone else. He's got enough demons and imps to bring familiar spirits to your house to figure out what he can do to trip you up. Because you're a testimony and you're a light to someone else. And he wants to take you down. You've got to understand how much the devil hates you. And if the church would get a revelation on how much the devil hates us, maybe we would do standing a little bit stronger. He hates your guts, if I could put it mildly. He wants to devour you, chew you up, and spit you out. He wants to destroy you and kill you so that your testimony comes to nothing. 
Can I get an amen on that? Okay, we don't know if we should amen that. I don't think I like that. We've got to wake up to it. He's got schemes. Now, he's a master planner, a master at schemes. He is the most subtle being there was. In the book of uh, Genesis, it says he entered the most subtle creature on the earth. That's because in the realm of all creation, he's created in all beauty and wisdom. The highest intelligence of any creation God had ever made. And he is subtle and sly, and his scheming is against us. And he sent hordes of demons to take C3 out. They're probably convening right now as we are convening to learn how to grow in Christ. They're convening and scheming how to mess you up today. They don't have to sleep. They do not slumber. We've got to get a hold of this. We're in a war here, brothers and sisters. Can I paint a picture for you? I don't want you to think these things are pretty. I want you to understand these things are vicious and ugly. It says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now, let me read that list again, and let's see if these are just simple little imps. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil. That means generals, admirals, captains, lieutenants. These are powers and authorities in the heavenly realms that have their guns aimed at you and your house. They're aimed at your marriage. They're aimed at your children. They're aimed at everything. Now that seems kind of harsh, It's the reality we're living in. And if we don't understand that, we're not going to be able to stand. Now he says we wrestle not. That word in the Greek for wrestling is a term that means you are to do hand-to-hand combat, a contest between two where one endeavors to throw the other to the ground and the victor is decided when the opponent has his hand upon the neck of the one he's wrestling. So let me ask you this. Do you want to end up on the ground with the enemy grappling your neck or do you want to take him down and hold him down? So this this isn't nicey-nice. This isn't leave me alone. In Jesus' name, leave me alone. This is war to where they won't leave you alone till you take them down. Do you understand? This isn't getting away from them for a day and then being good for a week. This is a constant warfare. But I want you to know that there is hope in this. I want you to know that as ugly as they are and these rulers and these demons that are fighting against us to take us down and to give a stranglehold on our neck. And sometimes you felt like that. Anybody been on that place in that position? You've been down. You've been down on the count. You could feel the grasp on your own neck. You could barely whisper anything. You're choking at the the depression and the onslaught and the force of an enemy weighing you down. You feel his knee in your chest. I've been there. I know that feeling. And you feel the grip uh, just squeezing out the life of your neck until you could just get your wits about you and squeak out the name Jesus. And you grab that hand and you twist it back and you throw him down and get back up in the fight. He says, we're wrestling and I need you to stand. 
There's no place for laying down. There's no place for sitting down in this wrestling and in this warfare. You have to stand and take your position. That's what he's saying. Be strong. Be strong. And understand the warfare we are in. Because I want you to understand something. He says to put on the whole armor of God. Now, we're going to go through what he lists as the whole armor, but let me ask you something. Why does he want you to wear the whole armor? No weak spot. Full protection. In other words, you need every part of it. If you're not going to wear the helmet of salvation, where's your enemy going to strike? If you're not wearing the breastplate of righteousness, where's the enemy going to go? He's looking for your weakness. You need the whole protection of God. So we need to be aware of this. We need to put it all on and we're going to wrestle till there's a death grip on the throat and he wants us to be the victor. And he goes on in verse 13 and he says this, and, and I want to share this with you this morning. He says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, can I share something with you? Um, it was kind of my understanding of the scripture it says having done all to stand and having done all stand i interpreted that as we're in a war we're fighting and i've got to stand and i've been pummeled and i've been hit and i have to do all that i can to stand having done all to stand i gotta keep standing and i took it as a as an instant of being in the fight. Keep standing, keep standing. Having done all. And I took that having done all as after you've exasperated yourself and did everything you could, having done all to stand, you keep standing. When I looked into the meaning of this verse and I went into the depth of it, what it means is having done all and after the battle is done, you will stand. Now that makes a difference to me. That is a message of encouragement. And that's what Paul is doing. He is declaring, you will not be defeated. He said, I want you to stand. And when the battle's done, you will... Right? Does that change your perspective? It changed it on me. It changed my stance. That having done all to stand means in the end, you are going to stand. And I want you to take that. I want you to hold on to that. Because you can get weary in well-doing. You can get battle scars. You can get hit down. But this fight ain't over. And when it is, I'm the one who's going to be standing. Because we stand on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we will stand. Amen. Now, he then goes on and says to put on the full armor of God. We're going to need this full armor we need to wear it all. Now, when I think of the armor of God, I think of this. I think of medieval armor. Pardon me while I tie my shoe. I think of medieval armor, or I think of the Roman soldiers, because obviously Paul's sitting, you know, uh, probably in prison with a Roman guard near him, a centurion, and, and he's relating to that military outfit that they're wearing. And, and so then artists throughout the ages have put on armor. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you seen anybody walking around with armor lately? I mean, I cannot relate to this. And I look at that and I'm going like, okay, that's cool, but that's like medieval times. I don't even think I like medieval times. 
So I want to relate this armor to you in a way that will make sense to you. In a way that you're going to get why he's trying to explain the function of each piece of armor. Does this make sense to you? Because as far as shields and swords and breastplates, I don't got them. I don't wear them. So what are you trying to say, Paul? So let me help you understand some of this. The first thing he does is he says this. He says, I want you to gird your loins, as the King James says. Now, uh, all I can think of with loins is barbecuing pork loin. So uh, he says, stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth. Right? So gird up your loins, or the, uh, the belt of truth. Now, in the old days, they wore these long garments, so if you're going to fight, you have to pull the garment up, gird it around your loins so you can move freely, and, and so forth, right? Gird your loins. That belt is where you kept your sword, your armor, your pack, and everything else. And so if you don't have your, gird, your loins girded, your girds loined, your girdle on, I don't know, you're going to have trouble. What's he trying to say? Truth is what is supposed to keep you agile and moving in combat. You need to know the truth. You need to know how to wear it. Let me put it in modern terms. Pants on the ground, pants on the ground. How are you going to move with your pants on the ground? Right? This is a, church, this is a picture of the church today. Walking with the pants on the ground. You don't have your belt girded up tight. You can't move like this. We're too sloppy with the truth. You need a good belt to wrap that thing on and move and be agile. Truth is what is going to keep us aligned with God and our strength. You can't fight if you're sloppy with the truth. Amen? Now, what are you wearing besides the truth? What is true to you? Are you walking in truth or are you walking, keeping up what you understand is reality? What's your reality? What is true to you? Your reality is that you're walking in dysfunction. We all are. We're walking in our addictions. We're walking in lies. We're walking in falsehoods. We're walking in what we think and what we imagine instead of the Word of God. We exalt ideas. The devil's happy to give you a belt that's too big. We're not girded up with what God says is true. We're girded up in what we feel. And our woundedness. Many of you have made decisions based on your life experiences. Can I tell you, your life experiences, though they happened truly, they are not God's truth. Your life experience does not define what is true. What happened to you is true, but it doesn't define what is true. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand that? All right, you may have been abused, but that is not love. Love is something else. Love is faithful. Love is true. Love is not rude. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is pure. But in your perspective, what you experienced as what you thought was love, true as it was, that's not the truth of what love is. And so your pants are hanging on the ground. 
You're not girded up with what is true. So the devil can beat us up many times because we don't have the belt of truth fastened tightly. And the only way you're going to get the word of truth is through the Spirit instructing you in this word. He will lead and guide you into all truth. Now, let's go on. He then talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Sorry for the image thing there. (laughs) The breastplate of righteousness. Now, what is that? Now, we know that that's armor. It covers your heart and the vital organs. That's important, isn't it? But I want to tell you something about righteousness. We understand that we have Christ's righteousness given to us. We are positionally made righteous through the blood of Jesus. Through our faith in what He did, we are born with the gift of righteousness given to us as an inheritance the minute you accept Christ as your Savior. We understand that. We're in right relationship with God. But you've got to walk in righteousness. There's your armor. If you're not walking out of the position you've been given you're going to find yourself in trouble. A right relationship with God is a bulletproof vest against the devil. Now, does that make more sense to you, a bulletproof vest? All right, against fiery darts. I don't, nobody's throwing darts at me, but I know an enemy that's trying to shoot me down. And so if I would walk right with God, he can't shoot me. i got a bulletproof vest on. See, we, we always look to this breastplate of righteousness as the gift of righteousness that God has given us, which is, again, He has given it to us. But if, if you're not walking in that position, you're out of place, and the enemy can take you down. He can stall you. He can eliminate you from your active ministry of the Lord. How can we say that we are the righteousness of Christ and live unrighteously? Now, isn't that a contradiction? Do you think the world can't see that? Right? I mean, they're watching it on TV. We've got preachers preaching it, preaching righteousness, preaching the Bible, preaching Scripture, and then you pick up the newspaper and find out that they've been stealing and cheating and doing all sorts of stuff. Hmm. The enemy took them down, man. They weren't protected in the vital organs. So you need to walk the walk that you've been given in position to Christ. We have become the righteousness of God. Therefore, I must talk with the righteousness of God. I must move with the righteousness of God. That is my bulletproof vest against the devil's accusations. He is an accuser of the brethren, but he can't accuse you if there's nothing to be accused of. This is elementary. Am I right? Mm hmm. Sure. Whatever. I'm here to stir you up this morning. Now, how about this next one? Feet shod. I never understood that. That's King James. That's why I went over to NIV, because I just, you know, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Now, I used, you know, I didn't know what that was. I used to have to put powder in my shoes because they always smelled as a kid. I had athletes' feet and everything. So, feet shod with the preparation. I thought, well, maybe we got smelly feet. I don't know. Now, feet prepared with the gospel of peace. What does that mean? And then I began to study the type of shoes that the Roman centurions wore, and they had cleats on their shoes because they would advance like no other army could advance. And so I thought of this, track stars, track runners. You have to have the right equipment for what you want to do. 
And the real concept of feet shod with the preparation of the gospel is this. Go tell it. Are you ready to go tell the gospel message? So get your running shoes on and let's get moving. Shoes that are made so that you don't slip and fall. Shoes that are made so that you can't be pushed out of your position. You want to get into a fight, man, you want to have cleats on your shoes. You're not going to move me. I'm standing right here and you are not going to move me. How many of us are ready and have our track shoes on to preach the gospel? We tend to preach the gospel when someone bothers to ask. Many of us, that's our evangelism. Nobody asked me today, so I'm under the don't ask, don't tell policy. That's where the church is. Don't ask, don't tell. You want to know what about church? Well, there's one down there. Tell them about Jesus. Get your feet ready. Get planted. He says, run, go, tell this gospel. Now, you want to defeat the devil. That's what he doesn't want you to do. He doesn't want you to be suited up with shoes that are ready to go speak the gospel. He wants you slipping and sliding away. He wants you slippery and your feet unsure and and you're unsettled. But this is not the picture of the church that God wants. He wants a bulletproof belt of truth. People who are uh, ready to declare this gospel to others. Amen? Now he goes on and he says, I want you to have a shield of faith because that's going to stop the darts of the enemy. All right, well, I don't know people that carry a shield, but I do know that superheroes have shields. I like shields. A force field. May faith in God be a force field against the devil's lies. That this thing just enshrouds you. Right? Paul was trying to think of an illustration. He saw a shield. That's what soldiers use shields for. They shield themselves. Well, this is Star Wars century. This is the new era. So we've got force fields. So when the devil tries to zap you, you just, mm, Jesus, hallelujah. And that force field goes up. It goes, Poof. Faith is your force field. Where there's no faith, the enemy can get in with fiery darts. And so what is faith? Well, it's this wild, weird, spiritual thinking. No, it's trust. This is what faith is. You trust Jesus. You trust Jesus more than your experience. You trust the Word of God more than what is happening around about you. You trust the Word of God more than the lies and the attitudes and the issues all around you. I trust God. And I'm going to trust him in this situation. And the enemy says, you're a loser. You're not going to make it. I've got him or I've got them. Your family's a wreck. Oh no, this isn't going to happen. And you stand on the word of God and say, by God, I know that he is my supply, my provider, my answer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the force field goes up against those lies. And it defeats them. That's what he's trying to say. Now he goes on and he says, you need a helmet. You need a helmet of salvation. You need to cover your mind. 
cover your thinking, cover your brain, cover how you are active. And so when I think of a helmet, I think of this. Your identity in Christ is your control center. That's what a mind does. It figures out. It's, it's making decisions. It's your control center on how to act and move. And you keep it safe knowing who you are in Christ. Your salvation is essential to every decision you make. Should I get this or shouldn't I get this? Well, according to my salvation in Jesus Christ, I'm a son of God. Do I need to waste my money on that? Do I need to waste my time on that? Or do I need to consider other things? Everything comes out of the aspect that you're a son of God. You're the bride of Christ. Make your decision because a helmet is on your head. Securing every decision and keeping clear your thinking and what you're viewing and what you're seeing. Get your head in the game, in other words. Amen? You with me? Get your head in the game. Do you know how many decisions we make without our head in the game? We make it with our pocketbook in the game. We make it with our emotions in the game. We make it with all sorts of ideas in different parts of our bodies leading us. He says, get your head in the game. You're a son of God. You're the bride of Christ. Make a decision based on that. We would be a different people. We would be so different than the way the world acts and thinks. You know what? We're lumped with all the other consumers of the world. We're making all the same bad choices and all the decisions. We're in as much debt as everybody in the world. That doesn't seem right to me. And I'm in as much debt as you are. Why? We don't have our spiritual head in the game. We're living for this life. We're living for this day. We're living to satisfy this need and desire. We've got to get our head in the game. That's what he's saying. Are you with me today? I'm not yelling at you. I'm walking with you. And I'm reading this book here. And I think it has an importance in our lives. So it says, come on, put different shoes on. Put shoes on that are ready to spread the gospel. Use your force field against the lies of the enemy and get your head in the game. He said, pull your pants up, be a man, right? And move forward with a bulletproof vest. Now he goes on and he says this, and have the sword of the Spirit, right? Now you know the sword of the Spirit is a two-edged sword. He explains what it is. It's the Word of God. And truth is an assault weapon against an enemy. I'm sorry, but a lightsaber was about the best I could come up with. You need a good lightsaber, don't you? I got you. This thing's always sharp. You don't have to sharpen it. It's always sharp. The Word of God is a two-edged sword. It's sharp to the cutting asunder between bone and marrow, the soul and the spirit. The Word of God is your weapon of destruction to the enemy. He came to Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God... Dude, he quoted Scripture right back. I'll give you all this. Dude, he scripture quote, quoted Scripture right back to him. Every time, three times, he tried to tempt him. He tried to appeal to his flesh. Tried to appeal to anything in, in the humanness of Jesus. And Jesus took the sword of the Spirit and went, Phew, cut him off. He went running. He tried to wrestle with Jesus. The devil tried to wrestle. Come on. Let me ask you, if the devil's going to try to wrestle with Jesus, you think he's going to wrestle with you? Yeah. I wonder if they take bets on us. Huh? I wonder. I don't know what they're betting. 
I'll give you 10 himagamagamins if you, uh, that's angel for something. <laughs> Take us down. Put chokehold on us, but the sword of the Spirit, you can take it and you can cut off his hand. Didn't that happen in Star Wars? Who lost his hand? Oh, Luke lost his hand. That's not good. Well, let's move on. wonder how many of us have lost hands. We'll use it. But the Word of God it's light in darkness. It's power against the enemy. He can't do anything about it because it's not your word. It's his word in your mouth. And that's what he wants the church to do. Last of all, the seventh thing. There's seven things. Seven is perfection. The last part of the armor of God and to use it, he says, is pray in the Spirit at all times with all supplication. Pray. Pray in the Spirit. And so constant communication with God will keep you alert and aware. How many of you got smartphones? Well, uh, actually, in probably another year, uh, you'll all raise your hand because everybody's going to have smartphones. They're getting rid of every other phone, right? How many of you see people with phones constantly, right? If you're not on it, you're texting or you're listening, everyone's connected. And that's a really great illustration of praying in the Spirit or being in constant contact with the Holy Spirit. Constant. You see young people, constant contact with everybody. I got a Facebook this, I got a shutter this, I got to spit this out, I don't know all the do. You got an app for this, right? Everybody got an app for this, and you've got this and that. What do you think praying in the Spirit is? All these different things, right? You can tweet, you can uh, tweet God, you can text God, you can call God, you can... Uh, uh, vine God. What's the 10 second little thing you got now that you can show? Chat. What is that? Snapchat with God. You can listen to a soundtrack of God. Right? Don't tell me you don't know how to pray because I see you on the phone 24-7. So don't give me an excuse. I don't know what to pray. I don't know when to pray. Yes, you do. Everybody who's got a smartphone knows how to. You're communicating in seven different ways at once and then we say you should pray well i really don't know how you absolutely do everyone here knows how to pray right and he said if you will do this if you will stay in constant contact with god he will keep you alert and aware that's what he says he says this to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So text God. God, remember Sister Louise. She needs help. There's a tweet. Right? Tweet the angels. God, send me help. I need deliverance. Right? Have a video chat. Skype Jesus. Right? Face to face. I need to spend time with you. Come on. Everybody here knows how to communicate. We've got a real issue. What's happened is we've turned prayer into something so foreign. I don't know what that is. It's something spiritual and deep. I don't understand. But yet, oh, excuse me, I can't pray right now. I've got seven calls to get. You see people? They're so isolated like this. What would happen if every believer was that tuned in? I'm sorry, I'm putting it that screen. It's that tuned in. I was going, what's over there? Uh, 
what if every believer was that tuned in to God? Come on, am I right or not? What if we were that tuned in? Do you know what? We would avoid the enemy. We'd take him out. He'd be running at us. Ah! We'd take our lights over. and go, saw you coming. God told me. Gave me a tweet. Take you out. This is the armor of God. It needs to become alive and real. You got a bulletproof vest. You go, poof, poof, poof. I don't think so. <laughs> now, what were you saying? Come on, be strong. And in that day, and I love this, this, this verse when you understand it. This is the uh, uh, new century Christianese. I don't know what this is. I, I wrote it down. Uh, I forget which version it is. All right. Then when that evil day comes, you will be able to defend yourselves and when the battle is over, say it with me, when the battle is over, one more time, when the battle is over, you will still be standing firm. Amen? Amen. Amen. So take these seven weapons that God has given to you and be strong in the power of His might. Amen? Amen? Let's ask God to awaken us to that. Father, we